Horrible people, welcome to the Hollywood Heels podcast. I am the rock star, the renaissance man, the Duke Russo, and I'm joined by the divine voice himself, Henron. We got an episode of Raw here, man. How'd you feel about it? Hello, hello all, and with this episode, not as exciting as it was last week, most definitely, but there were some interesting tidbits and some Things leading on to some stories, especially into the Rumble and Mania. So I didn't think it was bad, but I wouldn't say it was necessarily spectacular. Yeah, it was it was a pretty mid episode. Yeah, you know, which hey, we've we've had some good ones. Um, we've had some bad ones. I'd say we've had a lot more good than bad. So you know what? If if we get a mid one here and there, I ain't gonna complain too much. I suppose. Um, but yeah, dude, there's there's a lot of stories that need finishing these days, bro. And some people aren't going to get to finish their stories. Just saying. If I got to hear about another person trying to finish their damn story, everybody's got a story, dude. I don't care. I, I just want to fucking see some action. Yeah, well, we started off with some action, right? So like not match action, but but... We've got uh, uh, Michael Cole trying to like introduce the show and everything. We're we're in Portland, Oregon, and then all of a sudden we got Drew McIntyre interrupting everything on the microphone. He goes through his spiel. He thinks that he costs himself the match because he pinned Seth so enthusiastically that he put Seth's rope uh, foot on the rope. And he's uh, really starting to buy in everything that people have been saying that he's really the only one holding himself back. He kind of like drops taking a step away from WWE for a little bit. I mean, we we know he's got his contract coming up, but WWE has been quite proactive in re-signing people, so I don't expect anything to happen there. I think that's a little little tease. Um, But then he randomly changes his tune and then just blames Damian Priest for everything. You know, it's because he cashed in that he lost the match. And he's like, yo, maybe I should leave for nine years and come back to the company. Then then I'll return a fucking hero. And what happens in wrestling when you say somebody's name? They come out. CM Punk enters. He gets some nice cheap pop from some Roddy, Roddy Piper references being in Portland, Oregon. And uh, you know what? He's here. If Drew's got something to say, he can say it to his face. Uh, Punk climbs up on the ropes and reclines himself on it like he's at therapy. Um, he congrat- uh, Drew congratulates Punk on, on making it a whole month in the WWE since his return without self-destructing. But Drew knows the real CM Punk. Tells a story about CM Punk way back in the day, coming in the locker room, claiming to be the locker room leader, introducing himself as so. But Drew was young back then. He was a little lost at times, and uh, he, he could have used an actual leader when he was a kid. Randy was one of those guys, but he talked to Randy, and Randy had his own demons at the time. Punk, however, he's a straight-edge guy. He ain't got no demons. He is the demon. And I was like, okay, so he said he's, he's the demon. Does this mean Finn Balor enters right now? I I don't know how that works. Um, But you know what? Drew figured it out on his own eventually and tells Punk that he's the leader now. I am the captain now. Um, 
reclines himself on the ropes just like Punk. That was a nice little moment. I I don't know if that was intentional, but that was a that was a nice one right there. Um, Punk steps up, claims that he never actually called himself a leader because he leads by example, and says that right now he's actually following Drew's example of going in, winning the Royal Rumble, and main eventing WrestleMania. He ain't the demon. When pushed, he's Satan himself. Drew uh, is like, yo, you're Satan. I'm going to exercise your ass. And, uh, and main event WrestleMania and win it all for himself, unlike the last time where he won it for the fans, for the company, carrying the company on his back during the COVID era. And uh, Punk takes a little offense to this, as he usually does. There's only one person that can stop him, and that's CM Punk. And he got out of his own way a long time ago. And in the Rumble, since he's such a nice guy, he's going to throw Drew out last, which is a bold-faced lie. Let's be real, man. He's throwing Cody out last. Oh, man. So I, I thought that both individuals involved here were spitting hot fire, as Dylon would say. Um and I love kind of the weird way the show started when we kind of see Cody walking and then Drew's talking. He's like, no, enough of that shit, right? Like, oh, okay, like, let's just, let's just start it off. Drew looks like you got something to say. Um, I did think it was cute when, when Drew sat up on the ropes as well. Got a very big pop from the crowd when he did that. Um, people online were saying that them sitting up on the ropes was an Andrade reference. And I'm like... I mean, I guess maybe, but I'm sure other people have. I don't necessarily know if those are correlated, but I believe he's supposed to be making his move that way. And Drew and Andrade did have an amazing match in NXT for the championship. I believe that's how Andrade lost his title before he moved up and how Drew won the title to start his reign. So maybe either way, I you know I'd love to see Andrade here, but that's that's completely non-related uh, to you know what they're going on here. But yeah, you know they're they're talking, and I did like him throwing in the past because he was around back in the day when CM Punk was here. Were they really around each other or in the same circle? I'm skeptical of that. I guess you're in the same locker room, but even in a workplace, you know you have different cliques and groups of people and. I guess if you're a quote unquote a leader that that shouldn't really be a factor and you do, you know, support and are around for everybody that needs you. But I don't know, maybe he does have some legitimate beef going on there. You know, I, that would be interesting, you know. Um, but we kind of saw this feud as they, they wanted to push this from when CM Punk first came back at the Elimination Chamber and oh, oh, back, not backstage, but, you know, after the show, after the cameras went on, Drew storms out, Drew storms out. So they're, you know, building this narrative. But yeah, you know, CM Punk never did main event mania or win the Rumble, but Drew did, right? Even though it was COVID era and I don't think there are any fans at that mania, which has to suck. Like it, I can't even like, it doesn't feel the same, right? Like, yeah, that happened, but it's like you, like they said that, and I was like, damn, that did happen, but like, that's not in my memory, like all the other moments are, and that's actually like just bad. And I don't know if Drew ever gets that big moment, maybe next year, but I don't think it's this year, you know? Um, and is 
CM Punk really going to win the Rumble? We know he has to fight Seth. He's got to win the Rumble or the Elimination Chamber. I don't see him in the Chamber. I don't want to see him win the Rumble either. I don't know. Yeah, I I don't... This this is where we get into there's so many stories thing and like they're they're leaving so many doors open and to me it's like okay are we going to get like a little mini Drew CM Punk feud so like CM Punk still hasn't had a televised match let's just let's just mention that right off the bat he had the uh, the the house show matches against Dom Mysterio uh Domin Domin Tom and Nick uh, Mysterio, wherever, wherever Nick is. Um, but, uh, like our, is, is this going to be Punk's first match is going to be Drew? Like, I don't, I'm, I, and if we don't end up getting that, then this whole segment literally just happened to eat up 25 minutes at the start of the show. And for no other reason, you know, like I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what was really accomplished here or what they were trying to accomplish here. If they're trying to like deepen Drew's heel, which I don't even know that it really happened. Cause this, the crowd still likes Drew, you know, I, I don't know, man. Yeah. Yeah. Like they were kind of, uh, getting behind him in some moments that felt like a baby face with some of the things that he was saying, you know? Um, and I think like it would still be a very big moment. Like I do think he deserves having that big fan filled moment of winning a WrestleMania main event, because I do feel he's like a top five guy. Like he is, you know, he's, he's one of my favorite wrestlers right now. And I, I still really believe in him. And I think, what I think needs to happen is because on paper, Seth's belt, the World Heavyweight Championship, is supposed to basically feel as big as Roman's. I don't know if it's just WWE Championship. I don't know if it's the Universal Championship. I don't remember what the fuck they're calling it at this point because he had like 13 belts that they turned into one. But um, it just doesn't feel as big. So I was like trying to think about, because that's the thing, like, what if what if Cody takes Roman's belt and then, you know, Drew gets Seth's belt, maybe not off of Seth, but just gets that belt? Like, would he feel as fulfilled? I don't think so. So I was starting to think about, like, what can we do to make that belt feel almost as big as Roman's belt? And the only thing I could really come up with is put it on fucking CM Punk. Yeah, I I think it's got to like it's got to be like a full story kind of deal and I think we mentioned it a few weeks back but they might beef right now. CM Punk has to beat somebody big on his way. I guess after winning the Royal Rumble um so that way he has, you know, that large momentum moving into WrestleMania and that opponent could be Drew McIntyre and he'll win that belt off of Seth and hopefully lose it to Drew, you know, maybe at SummerSlam or Money in the Bank even. That'd be that'd be nice. Yeah, you know, that that would be if if we don't get now that the info that Elimination Chamber is gonna be in a huge fucking arena, you know, sixty thousand or whatever it's supposed to be. Um and if we don't get Rock Roman for that, CM Punk Drew could be another nice 
uh, match for that for that size of a crowd. You know, I don't know if they build up some storyline where you know Punk wins Mania, wins Mania, and like puts his challenging rights on the line against Drew, so that way it ends up being you know that that that's a way Drew could earn his next opportunity to finally actually take down Seth, but instead he loses to CM Punk, who goes on to take down Seth or something like that. I mean, there's a million ways to handle it, but I think. Drew Punk at Elimination Chamber would make a ton of sense. Yeah, yeah, that would be beautiful. And I don't want to, you know, jump too too deep into fantasy cards and other segments, but I'm just thinking as well, who would reify all the way at that point? Do you think they might put her in the Elimination Chamber? and have her defend her title there. No, so now what I'm starting to think is that I'm 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 thinking we're going to have the Rhea Nia Jax match at Elimination Chamber. I think that All right, it, we are going down the fantasy booking lane here a little bit. I think maybe Rhea comes out during the Rumble and costs Nia the Rumble and then Nia still gets a match against Rhea anyway at Elimination Chamber. Like, Becky wins the Rumble, and she's going to get Rhea at Mania, but they build up Rhea-Naya for uh, Australia. Yeah, 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 yeah. And while we're going down this rabbit hole, uh, that was kind of my comments on the CM Punk Drew segment that started off the evening. We're kind of getting into this, you know, Nia Rhea segment. If we want to just kind of knock that out, because there wasn't too much involved with those two individuals on the show, unless you had anything in regards to Drew and CM Punk still. No, no, I think that's an, a nice segue. And I mean, it wasn't even, it wasn't long at all. You know, Michael ring, uh, Michael ring, Michael Cole comes out in the ring to interview Nia Jax. Um, she ain't shocked. She won. Uh, you know, breaking Becky's face again, even though Becky was interviewed earlier in the night and is like, yeah, she didn't break my face and maybe she's weaker and, you know, we didn't end each other. This ain't over or whatever. I don't know. Um, but then she threatens to break Michael Cole's face. And I was like, that would actually be pretty fun. Like, I, I kind of, do we, do we get Michael Cole getting squashed? We don't, unfortunately. I, I, not that I have anything against Michael Cole. I just think it would be rather comical if Nia Jack squashed Michael Cole. Just saying. I mean, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe we can get her squashing like Pat McAfee or something. Um, as she says that she's going to go in and win the Rumble, blah, blah, blah. When Rhea interrupts, this is my brutality. Um, reminds Nia that she's the one who tossed her from the last Rumble and that at the end of the day, it's her division. If Nia somehow miraculously manages to win the Rumble, she needs to stay away. Uh, when Rhea's like, uh, Nia's telling Rhea that, you know, well, I, I guess you're scared of me. And when she does win, she's coming for that belt. So they're, they're building that up, but I still don't think that rules out an Elimination Chamber match by any means. Yeah, so we had this segment, then we had the small backstage Becky interview. Number one, I think it's too early for Becky to just show up and be okay. You got popped in the face. You would knock the hell out. You got squashed. You were bleeding. I shouldn't see you back next week like, oh, chip, chip, cheerio, mate. Like, no, like, can we can we sell this a little bit? 
I needed her to have like a big comeback. I needed her to take some time off and, you know, have to smack herself in a dark closet and talk to herself while she, you know, pumps herself up. And then she comes back at the Royal Rumble to win after, you know, getting her ass beat. Now she beats everybody's ass. Now she's the man again. And she goes on a winning streak until Mania. Or now she's back and she's talking weird shit, talking about, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, she hit me. Yeah, she knocked me down. Yeah, she hit the fuck out of me, right? Like, what are you talking about? But but she didn't knock me out. I, I got up and I walked out. Okay, but she still put you down and pinned you. That's literally your career. Who Like, no, what are you talking about? Everybody walks out. Like, not everybody now, all right? But like 99% of the time, everybody walks out. You shouldn't be so surprised, like, like happy about that. Um, maybe this isn't the end. Maybe this is just the beginning. So what are we going to deal with Becky and Nia for how long? Y'all better squash this. I mean, it was done already, right? But I guess we got to see. There was already a squashing. <laughs> we got to see Becky overcome the odds. And like w- Becky's going to screw her in the rumble. And then they're going to have another fight at, you know, Valentine's Day bash, right? Or whatever week. You know what I'm saying? They're going to have some dumb match i don't know but and then and then she's like oh yeah i i got up i walked out of the ring and i went backstage and i signed myself up for the royal rumble and i'm like i thought i thought you already said that maybe i'm getting confused with all the random people talking about it but like i thought she was like i thought she was already in it we were talking about her winning it like that's not a surprise what all right whatever becky go and then we didn't see her again and she walked off so like I didn't feel there was a point in that. There wasn't a need in me speaking that much even about it, but that just kind of bothered me. I felt like that was that was just unnecessary. I just they could have cut that out. Uh, then we get to this segment, and Cole was out introducing Nia Jax, which that's weird, but hopefully it was all just to set up the line when she threatened to break his face. And man, I was hype. I was like, dude, hit him like. Like do it, like like with, when Seth was uh, talking to Gender, hit him, hit him. <laughs> no, like, oh God, I wanted it so bad. Give me um, what I want. <laughs> but then I was thinking as well, like either they're prolonging this feud out beyond Rumble because it should just be the Rumble match, or they're doing something weird on the Rumble card because we're assuming. The women's rumbles on first, the men's rumbles on last, and there's matches randomly scattered about in you know in the middle with Roman going on right before the Royal Rumble. Now, if and I don't like that because with the women going first and Nia's in that match and she has double duty against Rhea, then she loses because she's tired and that weakens Rhea as a champion in her victory. And I don't like that. Now, if we had the men's rumble first, which I don't know necessarily why they would do that, but the first spot is a good slot. And then you put the Roman match on dead last with the women's rumble right before that. Yeah, the the women might feel slighted, but I do feel like those are slots where they would logically put things in. Then you'd have the Rhea Nia match prior or before. Yes, same thing. Uh to the women's rumble. And then, you know, she loses the women's rumble. She has that excuse that I was tired when when Becky beats her for that. Oh, it's because I worked double duty and you didn't. I want to challenge you. 
and then you know they end up you know fighting again and becky gets her win back as she goes on her blaze of fire winning streak until mania now i i don't think this is gonna happen but i would not be shocked if they give Rhea the main event at elimination chamber so i i guess i feel like the, the they're in a weird booking thing here right so they they want Rhea to have a match at elimination chamber because of it being in australia so it really affects her booking at Rumble and it really affects her booking at Mania because you, you come out of Rumble, the road to WrestleMania, and you don't always get defenses between Rumble and Mania for that reason. So now that you're building up these storylines, so where I'm trying to go with this is like, I, I don't think if, if Rhea has a match at the Rumble which I'm starting to think that she won't, then if she does, I would assume it would be towards the beginning of the show and lower on the card to just try to like hype up Elimination Chamber later. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I, can, I can see what you're saying there. And the way people have been kind of calling her out not necessarily a part-time champion, but she hasn't necessarily had, you know, a lot. He ran of, through the whole division already. Yeah, you know, it's like there was not many people for her to continue to wrestle. But you know, at least she's here every day on the show instead of, you know, MIA. But what I'd like to see as well, since they've already kind of put it out there, with they kind of calling her scared. You know what I'm saying, like. Naya kind of called her scared and priest, you know, in a different part of the show kind of calls her out about it. And she's like, don't, don't talk about that. Like, I'll, don't worry about that. I'll handle it. So kind of making her seem like she's playing dodgy. I think it'd be nice to kind of, if we're already doing that now, I don't like to see her character playing that role, but if we're already doing it, let's fully commit and let's have her dodge everybody for a while and then it gets turned into there is no dodging it now, Rhea. You're gonna be in the chamber against all your opponents. And then we get to see Rhea in the main event of Elimination Chamber retain her title in her home area, and it would fucking break the sound barrier. But but after that, like what because usually, like, you come out of Elimination Chamber and, and you get a shot at somebody. So, I I don't... Well, yeah, I mean, she could challenge somebody or it could just, like, maybe eliminate... I, yeah, we can't take the, the title shot away from Elimination Chamber, but I feel like... He's going to get a slow, grindy, Roman-style match. At Elimination Chamber, I think. Just just to, to give her a 25, 30-minute match in front of her hometown crowd. And they're going to eat up every second of it. Yeah. But it's, it's just really hard to, to figure out like how we're going to get through this whole threesome of Becky, Naya, Rhea 
have a match at Elimination Chamber because you want it for the booking status and then have everything else make sense. And the only other thing I can think of is that she fights Jade Cargill at Elimination Chamber. That was literally the only other thing that I could I could like throw together in my head. Now, when is Jade? Jade's gotta is twenty twenty four, man. She's gotta be coming soon. I mean, it's either gotta be the Rumble or or it's gotta be in the Chamber or, or some miraculous match against Rhea. I don't know. It's it's maybe she debuts in the Rumble and there's some you know uh, bullshit where eighteen people throw her out of the ring or whatever. You know, dude, imagine a match between Jade Cargill and Nia Jax. I think she could pick her up. I'd think so too. I'd I'd be willing to. I'd be willing to put money on that. I'd believe it. Honestly, the first Jade Cargo match should be a reverse squash against Nia Jax. And she just starts suplexing this girl and spine busters, like just throws the girl around and then, you know, busts her face and wins. That would actually be wild. And then she's on the shelf for like 18 months because she blew her back out. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's cool. You could do that. <laughs> uh, yeah, there. Uh, this is probably the most up-in-the-air thing, I feel like, on the road to WrestleMania for me, is j- just because of the fact that I know that they're going to want to have a big match for her at Chamber, and they're just in an awkward spot on how to handle it. So th- this is out of everything, even other things that I have questions on, like what are we going to do with Gunther? How are we going to get the belt off Gunther? Is he going to have it? at? Like, I don't know what's going on there. Out of all of that, this still perplexes me the most about what the fuck we're actually going to do moving forward. Yeah, you know, I, she's almost in a Roman position. Uh, I feel like at least with Gunther, there's always random mid-card challengers but who the hell is gonna beat him but he was surprisingly wasn't here today i liked i liked the imperium stuff we had today though yeah we did it it kind of leads us into the the first match that we have but it was confirmed that gunther will be returning next week and then before we get into this uh 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 kaiser kofi thing um I'm starting to think Bronson Reed is going to be the one to dethrone Gunther. Either him or Ivar, like with the two people, and you know, you're you're saying Bronson Reed, and I, I agree there as well. But him, maybe even Ivar, those are the only legitimate contenders on the Gable card. too. May I would actually put Gable yeah. ahead of Ivar. Um. But yeah, I don't know why. It just feels like they really want to do something big with Bronson Reed. Do you think that they're waiting until Mania to give Gable the win over Gunther? That would be so epic. Because you know what I'm saying? Like like they got they can do Bronson again, they can do um Ivar, they can do I don't know, Kofi or I don't know, some some other random person, Jay Uso maybe, I don't know. And like you know, we don't have to like four people, three people. That's already more than enough until mania. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Throw Xavier Woods in there. Like, you you got you got plenty of things, and and realistically, like 
between now and Mania, how many matches does Gunther need? Like two, three? That's what I'm saying. You know, like maybe like one TV match. He's got to wrestle on like Elimination Chamber or Rumble or is there one in between? Is there like a roadblock or something? <laughs> I don't think so. We're going straight to... Uh, I think it's just like an NXT thing maybe in between. I don't know. I'll have to look at the schedule. But yeah, so we get... um. This is the second match of the night, actually. We get Kaiser versus Kofi. Kaiser trying to get some revenge after Kofi uh, kicked Vinci's head off on accident, who apparently is going to be out for uh, the foreseeable future, probably a couple weeks or whatever. Uh, What did you have with this match? Man... Like, so Kofi back out here and them uh, Olive T-Scott ones, which are fresh as hell. Um, I like how Kaiser's music is just a little bit different when he comes out without the homeboys. But Kaiser was on one. Like, like 90% of this match was just him beating the hell out of Kofi. Like, he was going in on brother. And the crowd... I don't I mean they were they were hyped for you know Drew and CM Punk and they were hyped for Cody later in the night but they there was some meat stuff going on but they fucking love Kofi like they were chanting for this guy every moment that they could and it's not like Kofi's great I love Kofi right but he was not like a lot of the stuff he was doing was anything even of his more spectacular items like at one point you know, they're on the outside. Kaiser threw him into the steps and he jumped over the steps and he ran back, jumped on the steps and hit him with, you know, the double handed sledgehammer. But he's Kofi, you know, he's athletic because he jumped over the steps and then jumped back on the steps. You know, the crowd went fucking wild for that. Oh my God. Kofi hit, you know, he had like a nice trust fall. But I mean, like I said, like the match was just Kaiser just beating this man's ass at any chance that he could inside the ring outside the ring uh he hit him with this nasty knee on the outside of the ring and that's that's kind of what happened towards the end they were they spent so much time on the outside uh the ref counted to nine when they're both kind of realizing oh shit you know kind of got to go back in the ring because you know can't win out here he tries uh kofi tries to slide back in but Kaiser pulls him back out, basically pulls his shorts off, um, but he can't, you know, make the count. So it ends up being a double count out. And and then now Kofi's pissed, right? And his, Kofi gets in the ring and he's kind of confused, right? He's like, what? And then he's pissed and he, he hits a dive. He starts beating Kaiser's ass. Um, Kaiser starts gouging him in the eyes. And I was like, oh shit, is this going to be like, I think it was... Daniel Bryan, maybe whose eye did they take out on the on the steel steps? I thought it was going to be something like that again. Ray, Ray Mysterio, Ray Mysterio. There you go. I thought it was going to be some shit like that again. Like they were going to scoop his eyeball out of his head because they started <laughs> gouging his eye. Then he took him to the steps later. Right. But he didn't do all that. And I thought he was going to brawn breaker him, but he didn't do all that. And Kurt Angle's son was out there, Jason Jordan, and they're trying to break things up. But 
and Kofi back body drops Kaiser. He's back where they're sitting down at. Kofi walks away and comes back. And Kaiser just throws the fucking chair at this guy's face. Wheels first. It looked like he caught him good. I don't know how you really protect yourself. when Wheels first? That's the hardest part of the chair, some might say, right? <laughs> oh, my God. Eventually puts him on the steps. And he's just kind of like smushing his face around a little bit on the steps and i was like oh man he's about to do something nasty i know he is and then you know then he climbs into the apron and i'm like oh shit he's gonna like stomp him but then you know the officials and refs are pushing him pushing him he's like okay he's got his hands up he's like all right you know he's got that head movement like he, he starts backing down he's got his hands up and he's slowly backing down through the ring and all the announcers and refs are still kind of pushing him away and he leaves the ring on the other side and climbs down off the apron he still has his hands up and the whole time i'm sitting there i'm like why is he waiting so long i'm like i know this guy's about to run the fuck back over there and murder him and so Braun Strowman style, Choo Choo Express, right? They just they just let this man run from the complete opposite side of the ring all the way around. You know what? It, what do they say? Uh, reverse clock. I don't even know what the hell. Um, re- counter clockwise. Counter clockwise. <laughs> you know, around the ring uh, to hit the double drop kick right to you know Kofi's head into the steps. They cut the camera, you know, at the perfect time, but it looked nasty. Like he he caught that full Braun Strowman sprint, which it was beautiful. Then he puts his hands back up and Jason Jordan. Now he's aggressive. Now he grabs the guy. Right. And in this instance, he literally picks the man up. And I'm like, you could have picked this man up and stopped Kobe from getting murdered this whole time. But now y'all care. Right. Now y'all are like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know what I'm saying? But he ends up. You know, going back, walking up the ramp, and he's mean mugging, you know, and then they get backstage, and they're like, oh, I'm trying to trying to get a medical update on Kofi, but oh, oh, here comes, here comes Kaiser right now, and she puts his... She puts her hand like on his chest to kind of get his attention. And he's absolutely disgusted that she touched him. He's like wiping like her presence off of his chest. And she's like, why? Why did you do that? And he's like, why? Why what? He's like, it's not my fault. It's Kofi's fault. (laughs) He had it coming. You know, and he's pissed. He's talking about he's carrying the whole weight of Imperium on his back, which I thought, you know, I was like, damn, he kind of and he held it down for Imperium. I'm surprised. Because with the beef and drama that's been going on with Imperium, I'm surprised he was kind of down for the cause with no hesitation like that. But that's, you know, that's blood in, blood out, gang, gang. So we know Kaiser be repping, you know? What what I was kind of thinking here was like, I wonder if Creative was just sitting back and like, um, really, I don't want to say celebrating, but this whole situation with Vinci, they're like, Oh man, we we can we could totally use this to drag out this Imperium thing a little bit longer than we were planning to. Cause now I can see it like Gunther comes back and he goes to Kaiser like, I'm proud of you. You did what you needed to do. You 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 got shit done. You took care of business. You took out Kofi. You avenged your your Imperium brother, and uh, you're back in my good graces now. Yeah, and that's exactly what I'm expecting. Like we should see Gunther back next week and. 
I, I want to see something change. You know, I want to see him, you know, Gunther needs to give him a sticker. You know, I, I, I brought you, <laughs> you know, a new pair of tights and now he gets a white pair of tights, right? Like, I want to see him get a sticker or something. No, they'll give him like a new jacket that has like some sort of like decorative shoulder pad on it. You know what I mean? Yes, yes. Like a little, like some gold trim on there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he gets an extra bar on his gold trim or some shit. I need that. Like when they gave JD his official Judgment Day jacket. Like I need that moment for this guy. Yeah, yeah. And and also like... I kind of felt bad for Jackie here because like he was straight up just screaming in her face and people usually don't get that rowdy on the on the interviewers, you know, and I was like, this poor girl, man. Yeah, yeah, he was he was on a 10 just a little bit. Yeah, he, he needed he needed to roll that shit up a little bit, you know, wrap that shit up. B. Um, we're, we're just full of Chappelle show references tonight. <laughs> The five greatest rappers of all time. Dylon, 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 Dylon. That's a classic, man. Oh, man. Um, all right, so the match that we had before this, when we're coming out to it, we're, we're going to have Ciampa versus Finn, which I don't know. It was, I guess it was something that R-Truth set up that I... They were like last week, and I was like, "Really, last week?" I thought I watched the last Raw, but I don't remember that shit happening. Um, Champa's walking out, and they're like, "Yeah, you know, we're we're coming for the tag title belts this year, man." And I was like, "You know what? All right, I could actually, I could get behind DIY taking down uh, Judgment Day and taking the belts off of them because it sure feels like that time's coming." Dude, yes, like okay, so. I was thinking the same thing first off when they were talking about last week on Raw. I was like, I fucking watched last week. Like, this didn't happen, right? But, like, what's his name? Uh, R-Truth is, like, talking to Adam Pierce, and he's with Priest and Finn, and he's like, oh, I set a matchup for you, you know, with uh, with Ciampa, and Finn's like, oh, no, I don't want that. And R-Truth said, oh, I didn't know you were scared. I didn't know you were scared of Champa and like Pierce. It's okay, never mind. He's scared, and and then Finn's like, oh, I ain't never scared, right?" So that's how this all got set up. Um, and they, you know, they're cutting this promo as they're walking out to the stage, which different people online were enjoying. You know, this different little segment of them, you know, walking to the ring before their entrance. And I was thinking the same thing when they were talking about we're coming for the belts. I was like, holy shit, like I I could see them actually winning them because they they're friggin' hyping them up. Triple H literally loves both of these guys so much. Like Champa, they probably go on fishing trips together, like real talk. Like they're probably best fucking buddies. Um so yeah, I could definitely see them winning titles. I think they need to split the belts though. Or DIY needs to actually be active. They need to become Seth Rollins on both brands and just give me a match like on either show every week. Like then I'd be okay, right? Because there's so many teams out there that DIY could wrestle right now. And that'd be great content. Um 
Yeah, and, yeah, and then one one here and there on NXT for shits. Yeah, they they you know they love him down there. And but I do hope they win the titles as well, because that's going to give a nice paycheck bonus to uh, Mr. Jonathan Gargano. Because God, can somebody get this man a different pair of shoes? All right, he's still out here <laughs> in these Spider-Man ones. All right, bro, like. He's not even in ring gear or anything. This like, he's just in casual gear. Like somebody, um, I get it. He's probably one of those guys that you know you buy a pair of shoes and you just wear them, you know. And it's like, yeah, it's just my pair of shoes that I just wear every day. They're comfortable. I like them. Cool. That, Either that's that, or he loved them so much he bought eight pairs of them. That's what I was thinking too, because these aren't as like like the the quote-unquote like neck area you know what i'm saying it's not as like loosey-goosey as the other ones were you know what i'm saying so either he has a different pair or he like redid the laces and fixed them up i don't know maybe i'm over analyzing shit right like i don't know what the hell would be going on in my head right but that's what i noticed and you know we're gonna start a gofundme for some you know he needs to go talk to kofi because kofi be out here kofi did wear back-to-back shoes and like, if I was a wrestler, honestly, I'd have to have a new pair of shoes every time I'm on TV, unless I'm wearing like some outfit or something that it all matches perfectly. Like Finn Balor kind of wears the same shoes, Rhea, and they all like got the black and purple. So it works. But I don't know, man, I I probably just need a different pair of shoes every week. I don't know. Either that or just, you know, like $5,000 pair of Cactus Jacks or something. Something like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'd make my ring gear match that so I could stick with it. But either way, nice little match that we had here between uh, Finn Balor and Tommaso Ciampa. I don't know. I feel like uh, Michael Cole mentioned that they wrestled back in NXT. I assume for the NXT championship because uh, they were both kind of around that time. But I feel like Finn was long gone on Raw, so I'm not too sure. I don't ever remember them wrestling on NXT. And then when I Googled it, the last time I saw them wrestle in a match together, Finn or Tommaso Ciampa or Finn Balor like called the other one back on Raw so they could fight against Dolph Ziggler, of all people, who is now in New Japan, which is wild. Nick, Nick Namath, Namath, whatever he's going by. The Nemeth brothers, right? Yeah, they, they've been doing their little comedy tour and random stuff that you know, enjoying life, you know. But I'm, I'm interested to see what in the hell he gets up to outside of WWE when they, if he can go all out. Let's see what this man can really do because he, he kind of was pretty good. Yeah, and I think he still got some juice in the tank. Just a little bit. Um, but as we get into the actual match here, we always call Champa small. Is Champa not bigger than Finn Balor? I don't think Champa's that small. I mean, Gargano is small. Champa, I feel like, is is like a nice supple wrestler size. Not not Drew McIntyre, not Bobby Lashley, but not Johnny Gargano, not JD McDonuts. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think just because maybe, maybe it's in my own head, but I just feel like NXT and being around Gargano, 
he just kind of gets put more in that small person class. And then he's out here and I'm like, this fool bigger than Finn Balor, you know, first ever universal champion and shit like Grand Slam Finn. My apologies on uh, incorrectly calling him. And then I like how Michael Cole's like, yeah, Grand Slam Finn. He's won, you know, the the NXT title and and the universal title and the tag team titles and the intercontinental title. And I'm like, we know what grand slam means. Like all you had to mention was NXT as well. <laughs> and I, I think we got it from there. Cool. Cause he didn't, he didn't mention, you know, the U S and other ones, right. He stopped. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, think I mean, I don't know who this new guy, Finn Balor is. Oh my God. But this was fun. Um, Ciampa hit a nice reverse DDT. Uh, at one point, countering the little, you know, 1916, you know, elbow drop deal that Finn Balor would be doing. Uh, he hit a nasty running knee into a big Project Champa, which is like that uh, power bomb onto the double knees. Always looks disgusting. Uh, he took the the knee pad down, getting ready to take this man's head off, but uh, Balor reverses it, sling blade, drop kick, misses the coup de gras. And then now we get Priest up on the apron. And this was kind of part of the the story of the match because Priest tried to distract him earlier. didn't really work. Ciampa went outside at one point and Priest got in his way. And we can see, you know, the size difference between Priest and Ciampa at this point. Ciampa just kind of gets back in the ring. And and at this, at this distraction here, when Ciampa slides in the ring, Finn Balor, like, just jumps across the ring like eight feet to like hit him with like the double sledgehammer. And then like Ciampa kind of stops and like looks at him and then like rolls back out. And then Finn just hits the mat and is like, oh no. And I'm like, what the hell was that, bro? Why did you think that was going to work? Finn has been on another level. Like I think he's just having fun out there. But as we get towards the end of the match, uh, Priest is up on the apron. Ciampa goes and he hits him. But Priest just kind of stares menacingly and it doesn't really do any damage to him um we get uh gargano over there as well and gargano kind of pulls him down off the apron and then gargano gets put up instantly into the razor's edge and is about to go through the table but champa has to get out of the ring to come save him uh champa then you know goes to get back in the ring as he's getting back in the ring legs over the middle rope Gets the middle rope kicked right into the crotch tickles. And, you know, he's damaged from there. Finn Balor's going for the outside-in suplex, pulling Ciampa from the apron. But as he's doing that suplex, Gargano grabs his foot, which causes Ciampa to essentially fall on top of him, allowing Ciampa to actually get the 1-2-3 on Finn for the victory here in this match and uh yeah they were not happy about that yeah they they sure weren't um you know let, let's let's cruise through some of this judgment day stuff because i i have like some overarching judgment day things uh that i and and Rhea things and whatnot that i i kind of want to go over so we we had like a a, a beautiful beautiful Judgment Day tribute by R Truth. It it was all comedic stuff. I'm not gonna like recap all the stuff. It was pretty fucking funny. Um, 
you know, it's that that's where the the Tom and Nick Mysterio thing. I don't know who Nick is, but he's my brother anyway. And then, you know, most of all, the 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 saying of Judgment Day is live, laugh, love, y'all. Um it it was it was fantastic. And then they immediately cut to the Judgment Day clubhouse and Priest is like, All right, all right. You know, obviously this stuff needs to end, but that was pretty good. That was pretty funny. And when it, when the time comes He'll be the one to handle truth. And meanwhile, they're all they're all kind of bickering now. And this is kind of a thing that's going on in the judgment days. They're all just kind of bickering with each other. And Rhea's like, yo, I hope you guys are ready for DIY. And Finn's, you know, using a bunch of acronyms. They're gonna use need MRIs, EMTs, uh, XYZs, I don't know. Uh after he gets done with them. But as a priest points out, they also need to handle Drew. And they need to handle Naya. But you know what? Right now, JD also needs to handle Miz, which is what we had coming up next. So, yeah, some, some interesting stuff in the Judgment Day. After we do the Miz match, I'll, uh, I'll go through my Judgment Day thoughts. Yeah, yeah. My only thoughts on this little uh, segment here from you know them backstage and R-Truth, God... Our truth is so good, man. This video, I was dying. The the baby pictures talking about when I was born and the doctor held me in my arms. I said, Doctor, one day I'm gonna be in the judgment day. <laughs> Dude. I was fucking dying. He was photoshopping himself into, you know, judgment day title photos, holding the 24-7 title, which doesn't even friggin' exist anymore, which is even better. Um, and I like how they had some legitimate Judgment Day pictures. When the hell did they take that like ugly sweater vest photo? Like these fools really just out here on the road, just hanging out. I I like how they're actually just like hanging out together. I think that that's great. Uh Tom and Nick Mysterio, great. Uh, you know, I don't know. I never met Nick. That was that was classic. The fact that he said Judgment Day, we're we're always here if you need a shoulder to cry on. <laughs> the live, laugh, lo- whatever, that got me. Because I, I thought he was going to change it up at the end and be like, live, laugh, and domination. Or I don't know. I thought he was going to go into, you know, emo mode or something. But no, he stuck with it. And man, and then they cut to the locker or the Judgment Day locker room. And they're using that old TV. People online are saying that that was the same old TV that Truth had given them from a few weeks ago. And I don't, I don't pay that much attention to detail. I did note it was an old big back TV, but I don't remember the style that he gave them. Um, Priest loves it. Everybody else is pissed. Finn is again on one uh, with his acronyms. Uh, DIY talking about they're going to need CPR, an MRI, and an EMT when he's done. Drew tells, I'm sorry, Rhea tells Priest not to worry about Drew. Um, Rhea tells Priest to shut up about Nia Jax. I'll handle it. And now it's all about JD. So that'll jump us right into this little JD mismatch. And it was more fun because our truth was just randomly he just randomly came out there at some point i think he was just in the crowd i don't know where the hell he came from miz was playing into it you know miz would point at our truth and the crowd would cheer 
Miz would point at JD, the crowd would boo. And I think this was the first time in a long time that I can ever remember that I've seen Miz wrestle and not talk. Because I swear every time he's out there, he has to say something either before or after the match or a backstage segment or anything. You know what I'm saying? I, not, I don't remember him talking at all. You know, but he made the most of his minutes. Um, we get the yes kicks, you know, by the Miz. We get some kicks by uh, JD. It's just more, you know, a little back and forth match. Not super eventful. JD kind of, you know, taking over here and there. And um, just random, you know, our truth involvement to kind of perk the matchup. Uh, the crowd started chanting, JD sucks, and our truth is like, I'm no, no, JD, I'm cheering for you. I'm cheering for you. And JD's like, you better be. And, and then, and one weird moment where Miz was trying to play into the crowd, and he told the crowd, he did like this, sh- like, you know, put the finger over the mouth and try to get him to quiet down because I guess he was going to kick him. And he was, I think what he was trying to say was like, I'm going to kick this guy so hard, it's going to be loud, and I want you guys to hear it. But since they're the yes kicks, people instinctively want to chant yes. So everybody, like half the crowd hesitantly was like, yes? Like on the first kick, and the kick wasn't even that loud either. JD McDonough's kicks were louder the entire night. And, And then they started saying yes, but... You know, the crowd didn't really even get fully into it after that. It was just weird. I wouldn't have done that. Um, but that's just me. Um, but yeah, um, Truth ends up, you know, celebrating with Miz. My my notes are uh, messed up here. But um, what what had happened? Oh my God, the Miz put JD's foot on the rope, hit like a knee knee drop on the back of his leg or whatever the hell that it was. It was disgusting. Um, and then just kind of starts kicking the back of his leg and JD is selling like crazy. He's literally hitting backflips as the dude kicks the back of his knee. Um, then what, what happened at the end of this match here? Man, my, my notes aren't making sense to me. I mean, ultimately, uh, we got to a point where JD gets back in the ring and Miz sneaks in the skull-crushing finale. Um, it, it, was, it was a nice Miz victory, a nice Miz babyface victory um, that I wonder how long we're going to carry this out for. Yeah, like I thought he was kind of on his way out, you know, with this whole Gunther and maybe they were going to give him a final run with the IC belt and now he can't even challenge or win for it. And uh, maybe they're just keeping him warm. But we did have the was it the awesome truth or whatever. You think that that's going to play into this in the future? Uh I, I think so. I mean, they they seem to make that a pattern, right? Of like, okay, you get 
three matches against JD and Dom, and then you win those three, and then you get a match against Finn and Priest, and and, and that just seems to be how it goes. Um, so they already had one match against uh, JD and Dom, so you know, just two more to go, and then they'll be on to Finn and Priest. Which could be really interesting as well, because that it, that would just be great comedy, you know, watching our truth being like, you know, it's just friendly competition, guys. You know, we earned it, or you know, some crap like that. And we will keep the titles within the Judgment Day, and they're gonna be like, you're not in it, and neither is the Miz, right? Or be fun stuff there, but yeah, that would definitely be interesting. Um, Priest definitely has beef with, or should have beef with truth because technically when they were all like talking about we gotta handle our truth priest was the one to be like don't worry when it's time i'll handle them so interested to see what happens there yeah obviously we'll get that match and then uh, i'm thinking you know finn and priest will still have the titles whenever uh uh the awesome truth gets their match. So maybe they'll hang on to it a little bit longer. I don't know. Maybe they'll drop it at mania. I hope they drop it before mania. Maybe they drop it at elimination chamber. I don't know, but, uh, that, that'll be pretty fun. Um, but yeah, so overarching judgment day wise is like, I, I feel like Rhea's attraction is too undeniable. Like everybody is drawn to her. And she needs to be a baby face, like relatively soon, I would say. And I, I don't know, I don't know whether we're talking Mania. I don't know whether we're talking SummerSlam. I don't think it'll be before that. But imagine they turned her face at fucking Elimination Chamber. Oh my God, that would be so brilliant. But like, how do how do you? Does somebody come in and take over the Judgment Day? I know we've talked about Drew potentially being that person, but I don't really feel like that fits Drew. I feel like Drew is still just going to be a lone wolf. That makes more sense for Drew. And maybe Judgment Day just falls apart. But like, Rhea needs to be face relatively soon because she'll she'll instantly... She already is up there with Cody and Roman... And and Jay, as far as just like sheer popularity, and I I feel like you turn her face, and she she may s- surpass them. One hundred percent. I don't know how quick they want to pull the trigger. What they plan to do in my head, I see, because looking at the the pay per view schedule, it is Royal Rumble, and then Chamber, and then Mania, just like that, right? And. I can see that Judgment Day actually losing their titles at Rumble and Rhea is the last shining hope of Judgment Day and her chances look bleak as we get into the chamber. And yeah, they could turn her face then as well, but I still I think they should they can still keep her a heel and still get the same you know, pop and reaction from the crowd. Cause I don't think it matters what she does. They're going to go crazy for it. Um, we can keep judgment day together at that point. She's still kind of holding it together, but we can start seeing the seeds of hatred and resentment forming more now as, you know, maybe we get some more losses from priest and, 
uh, Finn or something like that. And then we get to Mania, and I think that she finally needs to lose the belt. And I think like Dom needs to like walk away from her. Like at like she loses the belt and she's looking for sympathy. And then Dom like walks out on her. Ooh, that would be that would be very spicy. So then she loses everything. Like Judgment Day crumbles. You know what I'm like like maybe Priest and Finn like get into a fight or something. Like maybe they get into some drama beforehand. So it's really just like her and Dom. And then she loses the title. She loses Dom. And then when she comes, you know, she might take a little break because she's going through depression. But then she comes back as a face, right? Then she comes back like SummerSlam. And it's like, this is my happiness, right? (laughs) Yeah, that that would be an interesting change in entrance music. I wonder if she'll like dye her hair blonde again and go back to like old school Rhea. Like, I don't, I don't think she, like, I think she can continue to, she could be like Shotzi, you know what I'm saying? You can do the, the punk rock, like, shit, you just gotta be more like, less that I hate everybody and more, you know, I, I, uh. I hate the bad people. Yeah, there you go. I hate those that hurt others, right? Something like that. Readjusted. I used to be be hurt once and I'm never going to let anybody get hurt like me again, right? (laughs) Uh, I, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to when that happens and she may like instantly become my favorite wrestler in the entire company over Seth, over Drew, which is absolutely insane for me to say, but like she's Rhea bloody Ripley. Top notch, mate. All right. So let's backtrack a little bit. Um, we had a rematch for the women's tag belts. We had Party Girls versus Chelsea and Piper again, and Party Girls retain. But uh, I don't know, some some moments in this match were fun. Overall, though, I actually kind of felt like the match was on the sloppy side. Yeah, like, I cool, we have Tiny Katana Chance, and when she's in the ring with Piper Niven, oh no, she has no chance, and she gets beaten up. Whoa, oh no, she makes a comeback. Like, it, it felt kind of predictable. I didn't need to see this rematch. Um, there wasn't, this really didn't lead to anything. We're, we didn't see drama starting, not unless I missed it. Um, looking at the end of my notes, I don't think I missed it, right? There was no drama building between Piper and Chelsea when it should, because I feel like they're both really singles competitors. I, I'm done with them in the tag division. Give me a Piper rematch, please, right? After I get a Piper Chelsea match, which would be fun because they could probably put some spice into it with their quote unquote history that they just had. Um, but it's, it's the party girls. Uh, I, what they called them something weird in this match. The twinkle twins is what, uh, I think Michael Cole said, Wade Barrett called them. I don't know. Don't like it. Um, I thought that was Chelsea and Piper. Oh, is it them? Oh, yeah. I thought I thought they said that like Chelsea was calling them the Twinkle Twins or some shit like that. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, he Cole said somebody said that. I didn't know who he said said that, but yeah, not a. Uh, I could be wrong, but that would. I mean, I guess that kind of makes sense, but that's not even like in 
insult, uh, I guess. I don't uh, know. But um, move of the move of the night, pretty much. Uh, Chelsea's sitting on the ropes, and you know she gets countered a little bit, and then Katana, Caden uh, Carter, gets up there as well, and Caden Carter puts Chelsea on her shoulders as she sits on the top rope. And then Katana Chance hits a Rana on top of Chelsea of this little mini stack that they got going on here. That was pretty wild. I like that shit. Um, there was another sick, nasty move by Chelsea and Piper. I believe they hit it on Caden Carter. Chelsea hit like the double knee, code breaker, lung blower, whatever the hell you want to call it. Recoil, right? And... She held her onto her knees as Piper hit the big ass elbow drop right to her back as she's on top of this girl's knees. I thought that was pretty sick, nasty as well. Um, and then we had one of my favorite spots, and it's usually a big man spot. Keith Lee hit it. I think Bray Wyatt hit it. Samoa Joe likes to hit it. It's, you know, big man standing in the corner, small person runs up on him. They get caught in the big Uranagi and slammed, you know, to the mat. Piper hit that, and I hope she continues to do that. I believe Nia Jax was doing that as well. I think that anybody with size in the corner should hit that because that's such a quality move. Mistake of the night is it looked like they were about to hit katana chance with the vader bomb i believe it was katana either way it doesn't matter one of the party girls and chelsea's hyping her up she's literally pushing this girl up the ropes she's hyping her up she's like yeah 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 hit it hit it hit it and piper is so hyped up she's looking at the crowd she's not paying any attention to chelsea or what's going on behind her and one of the party girls saves the other one who's laying on the ground pulls her out of the ring and as she falls out of the ring she grabs the foot of chelsea who then falls down where she was laying as piper then hits the vader bomb coincidentally taking out her own tag team partner and then we got a, a top rope code breaker from Katana Chance, and they hit the keg stand for the one, two, three. I was most shocked that like Piper was visibly distraught after accidentally hitting Chelsea. I figure she she would have been like, I've been waiting to do that. <laughs> right. But she indeed squashed Chelsea Green. Uh, we'll get the Chelsea Piper match, hopefully relatively soon. Um, and then, uh, we, we end up with an, an interesting segment here. So Seth comes out finally from Monday night Rollins talking about the one thing that he's never done at WrestleMania is taking a world title into it. He's been the workhorse. He's been the fighting champ and he asks who he should face. And obviously we get some CM Punk chance and he's like, ah, in his dreams. When we get an interruption from none other than the modern day Maharaja Jinder Mahal. And you know what? I've, I've got to admit it and I've got to give him some credit here. Jinder, he's not at the top, but he does deserve to be in the best suit game conversation that we have. Does he not? I literally was gonna say that. I was, I was gonna say we need to add him to the list because he was he was low key stunned a little bit. 
Yeah, like I and and he has been. It's just we haven't seen enough of him, and he's always been in this manager role with with Indusheer, and I I don't know, but he starts verbally abusing Seth and the crowd, and the whole time Seth has this look on his face of just like, who the fuck is this guy? And I'm like, well, that's that's something he's clearly got in, in common with Tony Khan on the short list of things. Um, Jinder is tired of being discounted and forgotten. In the process, he calls Randy Orton the GOAT when he goes over his achievements and how he beat Randy Orton. I was like, all right, you know, I mean, GOAT's getting thrown around a lot these days, but, you know, I I ain't going to be mad, I guess, about Orton getting it thrown his way. Uh, Seth confirms, we have all indeed been overlooking Jinder Mahal, except it's been on purpose. We've been trying to forget him uh, until The Rock fried him on live television, that is. He pro- provokes Ginger into uh, attacking him. Give me what I want. Uh, they brawl for a little bit. Ginger avoids a stomp, escapes the ring. And uh, we're getting Ginger Mahal versus Seth freaking Rollins next week for the World Heavyweight Championship. What the fuck? My God. Like, this, this just reminds me of, like, when we had... I feel like it was like a backlash or something and it was Randy and Jinder and I was like, why the hell is this guy back? Like, I get it. He's jacked, right? Cool, great, but he's clearly on the juice. Um, And then he beat Randy and it was just the worst thing ever. We, I think the only reason that that was good was because that's when we got the backdrops on the announce table being a thing because Randy was just tossing the Singh brothers. And I believe there's like a story where like Randy like tossed them and it looked so bad that ran like the Singh brothers called their dad after the match. And like Randy was there like on the phone with them to like, let them know like, Hey, we're okay. <laughs> and I'm like, like, that's so, that's so crazy. Like that's how bad you were tossing these poor kids. That, that you know their fucking parents were worried about them. That shit was wild. But I mean, gender was kind of spit and don't hinder gender was kind of the meme from back in the day. But he was kind of spitting some low key facts as he was talking and say what you want. He did beat Randy Orton, and now we get to have a mediocre match between Seth and gender, and it's like. I don't think anybody would have cared. I don't think anybody would have even talked about it. Nobody even cares that the fact that he was, you know, got the rub from the rock, but this social media stuff, I think it made this match actually matter more. I I agree. Um, my, my only thing here is like, I worry because like you said, Jinder's thing before was he was fucking jacked, and he's kind of not fucking jacked anymore. So, like, remove that from the situation, and and he just has, like, he lost his only redeeming quality. So, to, to I guess, recap what we've been poking jokes about is, in AEW, uh, Hook did a promo where he called out Samoa Joe and basically wants to challenge Samoa Joe for their world championship. And I guess there was a lot of rage 
Um, I, I don't, I don't like live on AEW Twitter a ton. I do, as I've said, I do love AEW. It's just, that's a lot of fucking wrestling to watch. I mean, if you keep up with both companies and all the shows for both companies, you're, you're watching wrestling, what, six days a week? That's a lot of fucking shit. I got shit to do. Um, so I tune in and out, but, uh, I, I guess there was like outrage over this, you know, with, with, People saying, you know, Hook doesn't deserve the match or doesn't belong in the ring with Samoa Joe. And, you know, I, I, I'm definitely familiar with Hook and obviously very familiar with Samoa Joe. Definitely really like Samoa Joe. And, you know, I guess part of it's the size difference maybe. Or, I, you know, if you want to get technical, I don't know, is, is Hook even a heavyweight, you know, type of thing. But... Tony Khan, I guess, took offense to this, and then he posted a bunch of facts saying, oh, you know, this is this is Hook's record or whatnot, and, you know, but people want to say that he's not qualified, whereas Jinder Mahal hasn't won a match in, like, 18 years, and he just shows up and gets a gets a match for their world championship, like, how, how some double standard bullshit or whatever, and then, like, the USA Network Twitter was getting in on it, and Tony Khan was just, like... Being a a little like schoolboy about it, I don't know. I while I do like AEW, I'm not a huge Tony Khan person because he just strikes me as, you know, in in sports there's a saying of like you you listen to the fans, you you give, not give the fans what they want, but mostly like you listen to the fans and you're gonna end up sitting with the fans. And he just seems like that kind of person. Like I don't see Triple H lurking on Twitter. Like, you know, see, seeing what people are responding to shit on fucking WWE Twitter page or whatever. Like, bro, you, you've got the whole company. You're above that shit. Like, just do your thing and the numbers will tell you whether you're doing the, the right things or not. Not not the comment section, bro. Yeah, like, I love AEW. I love WWE. I love Tony. You know what I'm saying? But you you can't be that guy. Like... At that high a figurehead in the company, you can't be on social media like some troll peasant. What in the hell? I'm not even on social media like that. You know what I'm saying? So you can't be doing that as the owner of a company. Um, the and like cool people are always going to be mad about the hook situation because it's like it's kind of like the Jade Cargill, you know, just fed, fed him kind of squash matches. They didn't have any real big, high-profile, long matches or anything like that. So it's hard to be like, oh, yeah, he's a championship contender. And you know, people are going to meme. They're going to joke when they want. People like different things. People aren't going to like certain things. Sorry, that's just life. The w, the a USA thing was funny because they tweeted. They're talking about, I guess, the, the, the Randy gender match. And they said, what's the cage match rating? And, you know, cage match, they got random ratings i guess which are fan voted and i don't know what the cage match rating is i probably look it up but i i bet it was really 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 bad so so bad that it's memeable but yeah whatever you know either way we got some more attention on wrestling hopefully you know hopefully we get some more eyes on gender and more people don't hinder gender bro so we can't you know what do they say? There's no such thing as bad publicity. There really isn't. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of people in WWE that know all about that. That's for sure. 
Um, all right, moving on. We've got some meaty meat slapping meat action, yo. We've got Otis versus Ivar. I didn't even know that this was happening. Like, I guess maybe they announced it. And Michael Cole's like, I was so excited for this match. I can't wait. And I was like, I didn't know. Why didn't you tell me, Cole? Oh, no. D- didn't you see it happened uh, last week on Raw right after the R-Truth setting up the Finn Balor match segment? <laughs> That's probably, that was probably exactly where it was. Yeah. Um, I, I think we got new merch from uh, Alpha Academy. It was to say uh, Space or Junior Cadets on the... On there now, so I, I I guess that's what they're going with. That's odd. Um, but Otis is feeling it. He's on one. Whoever and like, because if you remember a couple weeks back, they were kind of cutting away. Like he wasn't being Otis, right? They were they were cutting his thrusting. You couldn't hear him saying the oh yeah. Like you couldn't hear all the good stuff that was going on. But now. They don't seem to care because this man was going crazy in this match. Like he was dancing. They they called what he did a truffle shuffle. So they were fucking calling some throwbacks in his mug. Um, but yeah, big meat match. This was this was kind of crazy. There was a big spot where Ivar went to do his springboard into a clothesline or whatever the hell he was gonna do off of that springboard, but he ends up getting caught midair by Otis and slammed down. They call it the world's strongest slam. Was closer to more of a like a capture suplex slam, you know, but whatever. Uh yeah, he put this big man down and very excited. He had to flex and smile after that one. Um he uh Otis ends up going up top, but he gets countered into a big sit out power bomb as well. Uh, then they do some, you know, dodgy stuff. I think uh, Ivar went for like the big, you know, roundhouse leg lariat, spinning heel kick. Otis hit the roll to dodge that, and he just rips his shirt off like paper. Like it just like like it just pops like air. And I'm like, I don't I don't get it. Like I swear his shirt isn't made out of real material. That shit's made out of like literal literal paper because it literally just instantly like i don't know it was kind of it was kind of crazy but he's hype uh we get a nice little air guitar um i wish we could have had some otis and boogs action that that could have been fun um we get some air guitar some dancing hits the caterpillar and he thrusts and he thrusts and he thrusts some more before hitting this caterpillar um eventually we get the uh spinning heel kick to land uh, on Ivar after he dodges Otis by hitting a cartwheel and then he eventually hits his doom salt moon salt off the top rope for the one two three yeah uh Otis was thrusting his heart out in this match man I was I was all for it like you said I was waiting for the camera to pan away and they never did they showed every thrust and I was like all right now now we're on board. Now the Triple H era is truly here. Like, real talk. Like, it's a new year. It's his show. And he's like, let them thrust. They love that shit. Yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to more of it. And uh, 
it looks like we'll get more because after the match, like Akira Tozawa jumps in and is like trying to trying to pick a fight with Ivar and gets thrown out. And you know, I I don't know. Maybe we're gonna get some more out of it. I usually I bitch about things that are you know drug on a little bit too far, but this is one I'm not gonna complain about. Yeah, yeah. I I feel like I still feel like Ivar needs a tag partner because. You know, maybe a tag match against uh, Eric will come back at some point. No, I thought something was like I thought he was supposed to be out for like a while. While like I had I didn't remember, nor do I keep up, right? But I thought he was supposed to be out for like a like I don't even know if they gave a date. But no, um, I, it sounded. I mean, I think he had like neck surgery or something. So yeah, I mean, he's going to be out for a minute, but that gives him time to have another match with Akira and then another match with Otis and then eventually a match with Gable Sensei. There you go. It should be, uh, <laughs> and then, and then another, and then another match with, uh, Big Bronson. And speaking of Big Bronson, uh, before we end up in our main event tonight, we, we've got Jackie interviewing Jey Uso. She commits the cardinal sin, man. She says Happy New Year after January 7th. In case uh, you were unaware, that's that's actually a law uh, punishable by um, decapitation. Is that you just, it, it after January 7th, you just can't be saying that shit no more. But she asks him about his resolution, his quote-unquote yeet-illusion. He's going to be a champion. That's what's in store for the yeet man himself when Big Bronson Reed pops his face in there to basically be like, yo, don't get in my way. Yeah. Like, like okay. Um, interested to see them tussle. I feel like if we go down, if we you go to ancestry.com, I feel like if we follow the bloodline, they're probably they're probably somehow Oos related because uh, he sure did call him Oos when he told him to stay out of his way. But that should be fun. I don't know where this will go, but I I guess this will be something to help promote another big face, top level face, top level heel on the raw card because if jay wins this he's going to be put back up on top but honestly i don't think he's going to win this i think they might give this to bronson so that way they can hype bronson back up so that he can actually do something see i i disagree here because uh as what was what was jay's last match it was jay versus seth and obviously he had to lose that one but I was also kind of bitching because like it's been several months since Jey Uso won a singles match. So I think this is a per- perfect opportunity to have Jey Uso win, beat Bronson Reed, and then we finally get one of the things I've wanted is move Jey Uso on to Gunther. Yeah, and that'd be nice to get a Jey Gunther that could be a Royal Rumble, that could be a Elimination Chamber match, so I'd, I'd fully support that. And and that's a pretty believable person to take the title off of Gunther, so hopefully. But, alright, so we've got our main event. Before we get to the main event, there was a, a segment earlier in the show where Jackie tries to interview Cody, but it just ends up in a brawl backstage. And uh, and then, you know, our main event tonight turns into a street fight between Cody Rhodes and Shinsuke Nakamura. 
And they had like different cool little match graphics um, as they were, you know, talking about Cody versus Shinsuke Nakamura. And they'd ha- instead of just having, you know, the pictures of two people, they had like some cartoon drawings. I swear that Cody looks like Okada in his drawing, but no, 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 that's just that's just me, right? I don't know if anybody goes back and looks at that shit. I see Okada in that shit. Um, but yeah, it turned out to be a street fight. And the first thing. Um, I thought when they said that this was going to be a street fight, I said, we better fucking see Shinsuke Nunchuck Mora fucking do some work in this stupid match, right? Because I think it's it's a street match as well. So I was assuming we were actually going to get like the end of this fucking crap because it's just like Cody said, this should have been over. <laughs> so. I agree. I agree with you, buddy boy. Um, but the match, you know, was just kind of uh oh and then and then Shinsuke started talking shit, uh making his own promo, talking about I Cody, I need you to set me free. I need you to awaken me. And I'm like, I thought I thought you said that you were gonna set Cody free. I thought you were gonna awaken Cody. Like, am I Am I backwards on what what you were talking shit about? But whatever. We get into the actual match, and it's a street fight, and we get, you know, we want table chance pretty early on. Um, I thought maybe we'd get a match without that, but at least it wasn't the entire match. At least I only really noticed it, like, once at the start, and I didn't really notice it after that. Um, We get a random broom to the face of Cody, which, you know, disoriented him and distracted him enough uh, to stop him from pursuing Shinsuke Nakamura. Shinsuke eventually gets uh, the kendo stick, which I'm a huge fan of. Love a good kendo stick. Um, It always looks good, sounds good when you actually hit him with it. Uh, And, you know, they were both laying in some, some good shots here. Um... Shinsuke is being Shinsuke. You know, he hits his little knee up into the gut as the person's laying across the top rope on the turnbuckle. He hits his sliding German. He hits a little axe kick, you know, some good stuff like that. But I feel like he spent a lot of like more time on top. You know, it's kind of felt like a slower match. Um, we get some more action. Cody starts to make a, a comeback. He hits a power slam, hits a disaster kick, and then he gets the table. And now we're getting hype. You know what I'm saying? Because now he's got the table. We know action's coming. And then all of a sudden, you're like, he's looking around because he doesn't see where Shinsuke went. And Shinsuke went and got the nunchucks. And he starts beating Cody's ass with the nunchucks. And I was very excited about this. Uh, he beats him up. He hits him with the chucks. He flexes with the chucks. He uh, sends him in over the barricade into the timekeeper's area. And then he stands up on the barricade and just starts doing some nunchuck moves. Like, this, I, I, I would have paid fucking money for this right here. This is the type of shit that you pay money for. Because that's all I want to see is Shinsuke out here doing nunchuck tricks. Like, that, that, that right there, that made the show for me. He tries to jump down on Cody. Cody hits him in the gut. And they're fighting in the timekeeper's area. And now Shinsuke is about to devastate Cody with the mist. 
but Cody dodges and actually hits the timekeeper. And then, you know, Cody and Nakamura are trying to get back to the ring. And then Cody's like, are, are you okay? Help, help, somebody help, right? As he's trying to get somebody to come help this guy who just got misted. Because Cody knows how much that mist burns, that basically acid in your eyes, basically disintegrating your eyeballs and just melting everything that's ever existed on your face, right? Um, no. But I, and again, people online, there they said that this timekeeper was Cody's cousin, uh, some some way somehow. I'd have to fact check that, but that would make sense why he actually cared about this random individual, I guess. But while he's distracted, being so careful that he is, um, he gets hit by a chair that Nakamura has now found, and then Nakamura proceeds to kind of beat him up with the chair. They end up in the ring. Nakamura puts the chair in between the ropes in the corner. They end up uh, getting into a little tussle before Cody sends him face first into that chair now. And it looked like he fucking popped that chair. It looked kind of nasty. But he would get the Cody come back. We get um, some bionic elbows. He sets up the table. But then Shinsuke counters with the headbutt, puts Cody on the table, and drops a double knee through Cody through the table for a two count. Shin gets another table, leans it up in the corner, starts uh, doing his shit, catches a sliding German, flying knee for a two count. Now we get a Kinshasa attempt. Cody reverses it with the super kick and a pedigree for a two count. Gets the Cody cutter for a two count. Then he tries the crossroads. Shinsuke counters that into a pin. Cody gets out of that. We get another Kinshasa attempt that Cody dodges once again, Matador style, sending the flying bull Nakamura right into that table he set up into the corner. He's done. Cody grabs him. Crossroads. One, two, three. We're on to the next chapter in the story. Yes, we are. I... I I don't know. This this was a generic ass street fight to me. I honestly didn't really enjoy it all that much. Um, it was kind of like I said, generic. But there are two things that I have about this. One is that I'm worried that this isn't over because Cody Rhodes only used one crossroads, and and we know that a feud isn't over until he hits you with three consecutively. So I'm I'm concerned there. Two, did you notice that when Shinsuke went and got the nunchucks, there was a purple bandana with them? And I'm like, is there some sort of hidden meaning here? I didn't see the purple bandana. I missed that one. Yeah, there was... Because we don't see... Like, we don't see him actually get them, I don't think. But, like, it looked like where he went to go get them. And then later when he tossed them down, cause he like did some shit and then he like had a perfect opportunity to continue beating Cody's ass with them. And then he just put them down instead. Um, <laughs> when he put them down, he also put them down like right on top of the purple bandana. And I'm like, Hmm, things generally are not coincidental in WWE. There's very few coincidences in, in in something that's scripted. You know what I mean? Like, uh, 
Santos Escobar coincidentally left the brass knuckles for Logan Paul. You know what I mean? Like, there's always little Easter eggs like that. And I'm like, I just wonder. Yeah, you know, and I don't know if you mean purple bandana, if you're thinking Judgment Day stuff, which... Yeah. That, a, a revamped Judgment Day might be interesting, and it might be better to kind of have Shinsuke in a group. And yeah, you know, he, he speaks English, and his recent promos and stuff are great. But imagine like a, you know, like an anime, like, uh, Judgment Day thing going on. That'd be kind of crazy. You Bro, know, like, can you just imagine an anime-styled Shinsuke versus R-Truth match? <laughs> that shit would just be wild, right? I'd be all for that. But my only other guess on that as well is uh, I doubt that those were just some bullshit-ass nunchucks that WWE just had. I feel like that's some Shinsuke, oh yeah, these are my... Like, he had to, like, sign a waiver because they're like a, a weapon that he had to bring on the plane to fly them into wherever the hell they're at seattle washington or portland oregon and and like he brought those from his house those were passed down generations in his family like maybe it's some sacred shit you know what i'm saying they have like a locked carrying case with a with a tsa lock on it like Zia Lee, like like I saw that post in Zia Lee, and she had like all those different weapons from her. No, heritage. Wait, I thought I thought I thought we don't talk about this girl. I'm just saying the weapon thing was cool, and it would be <laughs> really nice if there was like a personal attachment to this item. Like they like because you don't you're not just good at nunchucks. Like why the hell do you know that? That's such a specifically random thing to know. I I it would be cool, but at the same time, those look heavily padded, and I and I don't think that real life Shinsuke has a use for heavily padded nunchucks, other than maybe practicing. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. But yeah, I I hope this is over. I think we all hope this is over. I don't need any more of this. I don't think you need any more of this. But like I said, only one crossroads, so you never know. Yeah, only one. But hopefully, because he did go through a table, right? And, you know, he did uh, also eat like a Cody cut and it is disaster kick shortly beforehand. I'm hoping that they're kind of resensitizing us to Cody winning with one Cody cutter. They're going to pretend like that uh, all that multiple Cody cutter shit didn't happen. So that way they can do it again at like mania. I mean, I, I wish I, I know you misspoke, but I wish you were right. I, I wish the Cody cutter was his actual finisher. It should be. He needs to hit that that top rope, uh, Cody Cutter. He what he needs to do, like, so I I didn't comment on this one move hit by JD McDonough, and he hit like a fucking seven twenty corkscrew splash from the outside to the inside. Uh, Cody needs to do the Cody Cutter, but he needs to add like a three sixty corkscrew before he hits the guy. Like, give me some flair, brother. Yo, I don't I don't know if the laws of physics would allow for that. You could make it work. Definitely could make that work. You might have to start in a different position. Maybe you only get like a 180 on it. Because if you look at like when Randy Orton hits the RKO, he kind of does a 180 because he's kind of facing them and then jumps and turns his body. You could easily turn your body twice. Maybe. I don't know. I need it. I need the action. Why don't you, why don't you go try it? 
don't mind it. I need to like I just want to build like a ring. So when I think of like dumbass shit, I'm like, no, no, I went I went downstairs and I tried it. I could do it. So I don't know why he can't do it. That's what I that's what I'm looking to get fucking set up. Nada. All right. All right, bro. This was this was our kind of mid mid episode of Raw here, but uh take us home. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, here we are once again at the end of the show. We do thank you for allowing us to make your lives just a tad bit less miserable. We will catch you next time with some over-the-top exciting NXT action where there's a teaser for one of the one of the greatest events to occur in NXT history, if I do say so myself. But that is a teaser for next time alongside some SmackDown action. But until then, stay safe and enjoy the day. Deuces, deuces, deuces.